Welcome to episode 47 of Communicast, a communication skills podcast. I'm Scott D'Amico, president of Communispond, a global communication skills training organization. Remove your assumptions. Otherwise, you are just going throughout your day guessing. Sage advice from my guest this episode, Heather Younger. Heather's a TEDx keynote speaker, author, and founder and CEO of Employee Fanatics. In this episode, we discuss the importance of closing the communication loop, how to balance action with curiosity, and building positive employee experiences. I hope you enjoy. Heather, thank you so much for joining me today. Really, really looking forward to our conversation. I am too. Thanks for having me. So to get things started, maybe tell the listeners just a little bit about you, your journey, and really what it is that you're working on today. Um, I am the founder of uh, Employee Fanatics, and uh, I created that company really born out of uh, a layoff that happened uh, where I was one of the people that was laid off and it was in the middle of a merger. And before the merger happened, uh, I could sense that the culture was kind of going downhill. People were uh, fearful. They were mistrusting. Uh, connection was being lost. And it, and I was feeling it too. Um, I was feeling dragged down by what was happening around me and decided to kind of do something about it. And I went to the head of HR and I said, we have got to do something about our engagement and our culture. And she said, you know what? You're right. You should go do something about that. And I'm like, wait, what? I lead H I lead customer experience, not HR. Like I'm not in human resources. Why is this my responsibility? Which is what most people think of, right? When they think of culture mm-hmm. engagement, they think it's HR's responsibility. But in the end, I realized I had already acted like a cultural ambassador, uplifting people, people coming to me, asking me what the heck is going on. And I was always trying to be there to listen and be there for them. So I took up on that that idea and and created an employee engagement council, inviting people from the different companies that were merging to really come together and figure out how we could make the merger happen and how we could just all be happier during the process because it was a tough one. And it started to work and we could, we could, we did different things to bring people together to kind of break down the walls and the, and the silos. And we saw some differences and some changes and the connection started to increase, but, and at the same time, the merger wasn't going so well. And so they had to do the layoff. And I I realized in that moment um, that there were some blind spots. There were some gaps that was that were left at work and someone needed to take a hold of it and to help the other employers, other people um, on the planet, um, you know, organizations navigate uh, what's happening with the employee experience and even the customer experience, to be honest. What happened was there really was a gap between uh the culture and what the leaders were doing. They weren't listening to employees. They weren't listening to the customers as it related to what was happening in the merger. And I realized in that moment that someone had to be that person inside of workplaces. And so I created my company and, and became one of those people to be to do that and to help organizations um, really capture the insights from their people and figure out what to do with them in order to really drive a more uh, positive employee experience. Wow, that's fascinating. And kudos to you for taking action and doing something. A lot of times in challenging situations where people are feeling disengaged, they're not happy, they're frustrated, they're very content just to to be like that or to to talk to other people, just complain about it, but really being proactive and going to HR and sharing your feelings, but then also when they say, well, do something about it, actually following through and doing something about it. So that's that's amazing to hear because I can tell you most people don't do that. 
And now just to be able to kind of carry that forward into your own business is just outstanding. So that, that that's a great story. I love hearing that. Thank you. Yeah. You know, um, I have an affinity action and that's why when I talk about listening and how list, uh, action is embedded inside of that framework, it, it is something that I know is more unique than most people think. And you, you touched on something there around listening. I'm sure we're going to focus a lot on that in our conversation today. But as I think of the big picture of culture and engagement, a tremendous part of that is communication, whether it is just trying to keep the culture intact when you're going through a merger or just really building an overall strong culture when times are good. Communication is going to be a big part of that. So when you hear the term that somebody is a great communicator, what's the image that comes into mind? Or what do you think of when, when you hear that somebody's a really strong communicator? Well, because I look at communication as a two-way street, like almost like a tennis match, uh, I think it's like the people who who make sure that they're gathering the truth of the people that are in front of them before they go do something else or before they um, communicate yet another thing. So just someone who's digging deep to really understand the situation from a 360 perspective, uh, understand what's happening for the person or the people or the situation in front of them, and then thinking through what that process might be for the next steps. You mentioned a little bit ago that you're somebody who's wired for action. I'm very much the same way. When I when I see something, I want to get in there and jump in and solve it, which is a good thing. And I do think when it comes to communication, at least for me, it's been something that I've had to try to control a little bit. Because you know, when I see an opportunity or hear an opportunity to solve something, my my knee-jerk reaction is I just want to jump in and solve it. But what I've learned is I need to slow myself down and start to ask more questions before going into action or solution mode. So from your perspective, how do you manage that? This idea of being very prone to action, wanting to accomplish things and just solve and move things forward versus kind of, as you mentioned, really getting that holistic view and digging deep. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not a bad thing to want to go solve something for someone or you know what it really is. It's just it, it's really about compassion. It's compassionate mm -hmm. action. And so it's not a bad thing that we want to go act or that we want to go respond really quickly. Um, it's just that what we do by doing it so quickly is that we do a couple of things. We uh, we don't give people the power they deserve in the pause that we need to do and reflect to in the research we should do. So we don't give them the thing they deserve. And, and I'll, I can talk more about that in a little bit. The yeah. other thing is that we don't, uh, when we, when we are kind of going fast, 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 we miss stuff so that we kind of, we over respond or we respond in a way that actually doesn't solve the issue that's in front of us. Not always. Sometimes we do, sometimes we're lucky, yeah. but then it ends up being just a thing of luck. Yes. versus a thing of precision. And I think with it, sometimes you might solve a symptom, but not solve the root cause of what's going on when, when you're moving really quickly. So as you think of the workplace today, you're working with organizations really to help capture what their employees are feeling and being able to respond to that and build cultures. What are companies doing well and maybe what are some areas of opportunity for companies? Not when I say companies, I mean more specifically leaders when it comes to communication, when they're trying to build those cultures and learn from their employees. I mean, I think the the two biggest areas that, that organizations fall down on are that um, they probably don't include enough people in the process of 
deciding what to do next. So they're not as inclusive. So, you know, what they may hear a feedback, they may get a survey, they may see it be at a town hall and get feedback. If it's a leader in a meeting, they may do something. And then, but they don't say, well, how do I kind of reach across the table to people that are different from me or in different departments, different divisions, different roles, and, and kind of ask them and include them, research them, what impact they have on this. Maybe there's a different way of looking at it. That would be one thing I think they don't do well. The other thing they'll do well is they don't actually communicate. They don't what we do, close the loop is what I call it. Uh, so they don't go back after they've taken action based upon feedback and um, tell, tell the people who gave the feedback what it is they plan on doing about it, what it is they've done about it, or what they can't do about it. But they don't actually go back and close the loop. And so that's another opportunity, again, another place where you say, so, so when you close the loop for someone, you connect the dots in their mind about feedback they gave and the and and then like a result that happens as a result. So it's like I throw I throw out my voice and then something could, my voice could go out and and just be out there, or there could be this counter response to my voice that is in the form of action. And when I see there's a counter response in the form of action from based upon my voice, then I in my mind I say. This thing that is my voice, this this stuff that's in my head is worth saying. This stuff has value and merit. People value me here and I feel mm -hmm. understood here. It makes me want to stay here. It makes me want to go over and above to be here. Um, so there's a lot of things that that closed loop does. And when we don't do it well, we kind of, we really just drop the ball on better engagement, higher productivity, higher loyalty when we, when we don't do that well. So the two big things that I heard there is when you are trying to get feedback or, or focus on communication, really try to be more inclusive, get more diverse opinions and thoughts from across the organization, different levels, different groups, different backgrounds. And then as you're making decisions, it's important to go back and close the loop, which is huge, as you mentioned, because one of the big things is if I'm giving feedback all the time and I never hear anything about it or I don't see any, any action or follow up. I'm going to get discouraged. I'm likely going to be probably feel worse off than if you didn't ask for my opinion. Even if you don't take my opinion, maybe you go in a different direction. I've given you my feedback, but if you come back and say, here's what we're going to do. And then here's why the why is also important when you're communicating. So people can understand, okay, well, I told you this, but you're not doing this. Okay. But here's why I might not agree with it, but likely I'll understand it. And it goes back to this idea of engagement. If you want your folks to be engaged, ask for their feedback, do something about it, and then communicate what you're doing and why. Mm -hmm. Yep. If we think about the workplace today, whether it is as being a business owner and leading a business, you know, working in, in a large organization, what do you see as some of the key communication skills that are absolutely critical for people to have to be successful in their career. I mean, I think the biggest thing is going to be, you know, as we think about, because listening is incorporated into communication. And if we are going to, the biggest thing you can probably do is remove your assumptions. Because what we're doing kind of all day is guessing and assuming. And we're never really knowing what it is, so that idea of being prescriptive, being able to pinpoint the thing we need to go to do next that solves the issue or the problem for the people or the group or the issue that's right in front of us. And so otherwise we're just going around guessing all day. So I would say removing your assumptions and now going in to lean in with curiosity on things and asking more questions, 
asking a lot of questions mm -hmm. that give you like open-ended responses so you can get more background and you can know what people are looking for. So that when you do, let's say you have you, your decoding step, which is that kind of reflection step, that pause step in my, in my act of listening, this is like I like listening, really says like, I don't have a lot of time to decode. Like this thing needs to get done that like it's burning down. Like that's, And mm -hmm. so when you have a short cycle of being able to process and include the more people, then in the case where you don't have a lot of time to include as many and, 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 you know, have people around a table, you are then when you go to act, you can at least say about, I'm going to have like an 80%, 85% success rate on the thing I'm looking to solve for. Versus if you um, don't ask those questions, you make all the assumptions about the thing you're trying to solve for. And you don't also include people. And now you're <laughs> acting on things that have no bearing on the thing that the people you want to impact want from you. That is something that I see a lot with, with leaders and really thinking about motivating their team. And a lot of times leaders will make assumptions about what's going to motivate them. And a lot of my career has been spent leading sales teams. So a general assumption is about salespeople. They're all money motivated. That's what they care about. They want to make more money. And it's a nice thing. I'm not knocking that. But if I think of my career and my life, how it has changed when when I was first starting out, yep, it was money. When a little bit after that, I was just driven and focused on what was motivating me was to get into a people leadership position. And then from there, it, as my life changed, my motivations went a little bit more towards, I need stability or I need work-life balance because I can't be on the road for four days a week, every week. I, I'm married, I have little kids, I want to be home. So when you make those assumptions about someone just because of the job that they have or maybe where they are in their life, you definitely run the risk of missing things or noticing that things have changed. And if I think about the team at my company today, everyone's motivated by something a little bit different. Some of them, it's purely financial. They want to do whatever they can to make more money. Some people where I would think, you know what? Yeah, they likely want to move to the next step and be people leaders. But as I talked to them about it, like, I'm good. I love what I do. Uh, I just like the stability and the flexibility the job gives me. They have no desire to lead people. So as you step away from those assumptions, and as you said, lean into curios curiosity, ask open-ended questions. And the one thing I'll add to that is provide context as to why you're asking the questions. Because that a lot of times will help people feel more comfortable with really why am I asking this or why is Scott asking me this? Provide a little bit of context. You'll notice their guards will come down a little bit and they'll open up a lot more. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's really great is providing that context. Also, um, I would say like uh, self-deprecating to a large extent. So like when you're doing things, also be um, uh, make minimizing yourself, minimizing your stature, yes. um, making yourself more real to the people makes them want to open up and, and mm -hmm. uh, tell you more. So, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's the, the idea of a lot of times with leadership, you have to check your ego at the door. And for me, I always say, it's no longer about me. When I moved into a people leadership position, it's not about me anymore. My sole focus is how do I help the people on my team to be successful? And a big part of that is to make them feel comfortable, feel comfortable asking, feel comfortable failing or making mistakes. And a big part of that is just being authentic. I'm, you know, quite often I'll say, you know, I don't know the answer to that. Let me figure it out or let's figure this out together. As you model those behaviors, your team's going to see that they're going to pick up on that. And then the comfort level is going to come up where 
rather than them just guessing and going out, especially in front of a client, they they will feel comfortable saying, you know, I don't know, let me get back to you or let's figure this out. Yeah, I love that idea. Yeah, and I think it's important emulate like making having people being the change that you're seeking and being mm-hmm. that strong force that people can follow. Um, and emulation is great. I always tell people like, you know, look at the people you, that you admire the most in this leadership space and you don't even have to copy them, but definitely, you know, walk mm-hmm. their walk. And then at some point it, it becomes your walk, right? Yes. It becomes your own walk. Absolutely. Heather, if, if I were to ask, say somebody close to you, you know, what communication skills have really contributed to, to Heather's success? You know, why is she where she is today, leading this business, doing this great work, what might they tell me? Um, I think they would say um, that I have a certain level of presence with them. So what I mean by presence, not executive presence, I'm talking about presence, that I'm with them. I do like a lot of great eye contact. Um, I, 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 I seek them deeply. So I seek to understand them deeply, not at the topical level. So I ask questions, but I, uh, I take in the whole person as I'm communicating and that makes a huge difference in making people feel like they're, you care about them as people. I love that. And thank you for, for distinguishing between presence and presence, Mm -hmm. but yeah, really being present with somebody is very, very powerful. And I'm sure we've all felt this before where you're talking with somebody and you can tell they are not paying an ounce of attention. They're, they're constantly looking at their phone. Their eyes are darting across the room you can hear them typing away. They're responding to emails, whatever it is. So really having that presence is very powerful. It's something that I work hard to do when I do these sessions or if I'm in my one-on-ones with my team and really even at home, that at the dinner table, phones are put away. No one's on their, no one's going to be on their devices. The TV's not on or anything like that. Or even when my kids will ask me a question, if I'm on my phone or if I'm at my work desk, just very clearly shifting my body putting the phone down, whatever it is, looking at them so that they notice that I'm paying attention to them. One, because I know they'll be more apt to open up to me and share more or we'll have a much better conversation. As you mentioned, kind of modeling those skills, kind of starting to equip uh, the kids with these skills to be more impactful communicators because as technology is so pervasive in our lives today, it's getting more and more challenging. So trying to model those skills is really important. Yeah, yeah. It's... um. And as I think about my children, I mean, I try to do that. I'm not the best model as it relates to home and listening. I do my very best. Like I say, I like I write the book on active listening, but I talk about being a workplace focused book. And that's because, you know, I, I work just it's really hard to do it here as a business owner. I have so many distractions and I do find it so hard to say, okay, wait, I'm just, okay. I'm talking to you and I'm just, no, the phone is down. Okay. No, yep. you can't talk. Cause I have four kids. So like, you can't talk. And like, no, you can't, you know, so it's a, it's a lot. And so that's still, I'm, a, I'm definitely much more of a work in progress at home than I am mm-hmm. at work. <laughs> Absolutely. It, uh, it takes practice, it, just like any skill, whether it's sports, riding a bike, whatever it is, all of these things, fortunately, are very learnable. And it, one, it takes practice to get there and it takes practice to maintain it. You know, you could be, could have been in the, the best shape when you were in high school and college, but if you aren't going to the gym anymore, that all that's going to wane. And I've definitely experienced that as I've gotten older. So yes, yeah, so it can continue to work at it, chip away at it. it. It really helps. And I've always really enjoyed the work that I do because of the transferability between personal life and professional life. So many of these skills just are, are interchangeable. And I learn 
from my family around communication skills. And I definitely learn at work and kind of bring, bring them both ways. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Heather, who is someone from throughout your life or your career that really has influenced your communication style? Maybe did you take something from them, tweak it, kind of make it your own? Like you kind of, you walk their walk and now it's your walk. You know, who, who might be that person that's had a big influence on your style? I'd say it's by my mom. mom. Um, I'm the only child, but I remember like when I was a teenager, my friends always wanted to come to my house because she would be like, we'd, they, everybody could just sit around a table and talk about whatever they want to talk about. And she kind of all, automatically just like created safe spaces there and they could just talk about whatever. And so it, it, it just felt, it felt friendly and welcoming. And so I think that's uh, where I got it from. That, that's neat to hear that how you're, you're, it seems like your house was probably the gathering house for the friends to come over safe space. It seems like my house is that it's the gathering house for the friends. I think it's more so because of our snack pantry. Cause it seems like <laughs> they make a beeline for that. It's less that they don't want to talk or talk to us. It's like, they want to go and get some good snacks, but yeah, this, this idea of creating safe spaces for communication. And I know some, some people might not like that term. They might feel it's too soft or lofty, but it is amazing at what you can accomplish, whether it's at home or at work, when people feel safe communicating. They feel safe asking questions, they feel safe providing feedback, and they feel safe respectfully disagreeing Mm -hmm. with strategies, directions. That's how you get better, that's how you grow. And I'm always amazed when I get, you work with organizations or talk with friends or past colleagues and they're talking about their company and how they would just never raise their hand and disagree with something or run something up the flagpole, so to speak, because they just haven't established that culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's kind of a critical one just to be thinking about that. Um, as we, as we think about communication and presence and listening to people, I think the biggest thing for those who are listening, I want you to be taking away is that your presence without distraction uh, is a gift. It's a huge gift. And to be honest, many people rarely receive that gift from others in their life. Mm -hmm. Rarely. So that if you're trying to stand out for them, whether it's in the sales space, uh, customer experience space, employee space, leader space, you're going to do this. If you do this one thing well, be present with people and responsive to their needs you're going to stand out. You're going to stand out above, quote unquote, the competition because most don't do this well. That makes me think of my family. We just went on a vacation a couple of weeks ago. And before we were going, my son asked, he said, dad, are you, are you taking off work? Or are you going to be constantly checking emails and having to call people? And I'm like, oh. you know, it's like, it, it, it hurts to hear that because like, I always think that I do a good job of that. And so just really, like you said, the the presence, everyone feels it. And I always felt I did a good job about that with that, with kind of trying to unplug and not always being on the phone or responding or on email throughout vacations, but obviously not good enough to the point where, you know, my my kids are realizing that. So I made a very concerted effort before this last vacation, right? You know, touch base with everyone on the team, you know, kind of the peers, colleagues, you know, everyone just make sure that we had a plan in place. If this comes up, we know who to go to. And just so, you know, folks would only really reach out if there is an emergency, because as we like to say around here, we're not, we're not performing brain surgery. Things aren't always <laughs> emergencies uh, as people think they are, right? They can take a little bit of time to get a response to people, 
which by, you know, by doing that and kind of communicating with the team and getting an understanding of where they're at, setting expectations really enabled me to fully unplug while I was out and come back so much more recharged than a normal vacation, which was really good. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah. And it, it's one of the things I'm aiming for. We're going out of town Friday for a vacation for the, for five nights. And I'm going to try to not, I'm going to turn off all of my notifications and yep. just leave it up to my content manager to do her thing. So. Absolutely. Heather, as we are wrapping up here, you, you hit on it a minute ago around advice feedback that you would give to folks. But you know, if I'm somebody maybe fresh out of school, I'm looking to get my first job. Maybe I'm a, a budding entrepreneur. I want to start my own business mid-career, ready for a change, going to take a, a pivot. What advice would you have for them just really around the importance of developing strong communication skills? Well, if you're interviewing, uh, you might want to be clear about the questions they're asking you. So um, you probably are going to be not as distracted because you won't have your phone, you won't be looking at your phone. But I would, I would say that the best thing you can do for yourself is learn how to ask the right questions. So see um, the headlights before they're in front of you. And then, so anticipate the questions before you go into the into the interview, but at the same time, see through like the nonverbal cues that are, people are giving you, um, whether they're uncomfortable about a response or whether there's something left unturned or whether there's, uh, you can just sense that maybe there's some hesitation and make sure you continue to go there. And so here's an example. Let's say you're, you're in an interview and you're, you're getting to the end and and whether you know, you know you're not quite sure and you just want to put your like finger on the pulse of where they're at before you leave with what's their mindset about you you can ask them something like this you could say is there anything that i said to you today that caused you any concern is there anything that would like cause you to pause before thinking of hiring me uh, based on what i've said today just shut up and you just like let them, mm -hmm. you just let them say. And all you're really asking in that question is kind of like, do you have any objection to me? Is there something mm -hmm. you don't like about me? It's kind of what you're asking. Yeah. And then they'll, and they might not a hundred percent tell you, but they'll say, well, maybe the only thing that could be a problem is blanky blank. Right. Or the only issue that is this. And so when you, when you hear that, it's just like another thing. It was just an objection. It gives you an opportunity on the spot to overcome it versus like now you're left guessing. And then after the fact, you might never hear from again. So if mm -hmm. you do it on the spot, then you may, they may say something. And then it's like, oh, shoot, you just, that prompted me to remind me to tell you this. And then you tell yes. them the story or you tell a thing. And so now you're overcoming the objection right on the spot. So I think that asking the right questions is going to be um, critical as it relates to career path. And the key th thing there is once you ask the question, you submit, keep your mouth shut. Be comfortable with that silence, which a lot of people are very uncomfortable with, whether it is when they're giving a speech or a presentation or simply they've asked a question. Let people think, let people process, be comfortable with being uncomfortable in that scenario. And the question that you had shared there that, that somebody can ask reminds me a lot of something that we teach in our persuasion and sales dialogue classes, really called a, a cleanup question. So as you're coming to the end, just simply asking, you know, what else should I know or what else should I be thinking of at this point? And then mm -hmm. quiet. Totally. You'd be amazed at the things that people will tell you, even after a 60-minute conversation. If you just say, what else should I know? They will typically give you gold if you'll just be patient, keep your mouth shut for a little bit and let them talk. You'll pick up some great things. Such a big nugget towards the end there. Yeah. <laughs> Scott, appreciate it. Absolutely. Heather, thank you so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed the conversation. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
I appreciate it. And just one final thing, if folks are looking to get in touch with you, what would be the best way to do that? Uh, I say that the easiest way to just kind of stay in touch is probably on LinkedIn. You should find Heather Younger and just like go connect with me there. And I put a lot of content there. Um, I have websites. So heatheryounger.com is a website and employeefanatics.com are websites. You'll get to them at some point, but I would think mm-hmm. that like LinkedIn's like kind of a good starting place for me. Perfect. I'll be sure to include that link in the show notes. Awesome. A special thanks again to my guest, Heather Younger. Heather's advice on removing your assumptions is spot on. If you are operating based on assumptions, you never really know if the path you are on is the right one. Fortunately, there is an easy solution for this. Ask questions and listen to the answers. If you are looking to improve your communication skills, be sure to subscribe to Communicast so that you can continue to learn from my guests with each new episode. And if you have found value in the show, leaving us a rating or review would be appreciated. Thanks and have a great day.